0: And today's scripture reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. We're going to be reading this today in the ESV. And so if you want to look up the scripture, uh, you can look that up uh, on your own. But also we're going to project it up here. Again, it's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, uh, I want to just invite our guest preacher this morning, uh, David Beck, who is our pastoral intern. And just uh, we're so excited to hear from him again. And so without further ado, David Beck.
1: I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. For myself, and I imagine many of us, hearing this phrase from either our parents, our partners, our friends, is often just worse than that person being angry at us. Because I know for me, I'm like, hey, just just unleash your anger at me right now, because you're probably both mad and upset. But anyway, you're probably you're you're both right, so. You can just, you know, lay this and just dump everything off your shoulders so you don't have to carry it. And for me, I get to feel as though that there was like a proper judgment that was given upon me. But honestly, what makes statements like this hard for me is how my insecurities and anxiety kind of twist uh, this phrase or things like this. Because I feel as though when someone stops being even just mad or angry at me, uh, in a sense, you have to care about something or someone to be angry at them. Or, or there's something that you must care about for your anger to come out. But if all it is is just disappointment, then for me, the way that I tw- it, it gets twisted in my mind is this, oh, oh God, this person doesn't even care about me anymore. Or, or perhaps, am, am I a disappointment to them? Right? And, and and so it starts kind of, there. there's this feeling of guilt and shame and condemnation that, that comes upon me, not really at the fault of the other person, but there's this self-condemnation that kind of comes on me, right? And I fear this a lot because one of the biggest fears that I have is being alone, right? And not like being single, because that's whatever, but being alone as in people giving up on me and people leaving me, even though... I know that most of the time when people say this, it's it's probably someone who's still going to love me. It's someone who who isn't going to give up on me. And yet there is still this this condemnation that I feel on the inside when I hear statements like this or other statements that are given to me that I twist in my mind. And So do some of you feel this way as well? Perhaps it's your self-condemnation when there's a sin that you've been struggling with that you can't get over. Uh, Perhaps it's a condemnation that you feel like you receive from others, right, because of your past, because of some of the things that you did before, right? Like, sure, right, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, you know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Steve talked about atonement, that Jesus died on the cross so we can be at one with God. But do you wonder, like, is there a limit to God's forgiveness? Or, you know, with every passing sin, is there, like, an expiration date that gets moved up a little bit more and more each time? And no friends, uh, what I want to say is the answer to these questions um, are a firm no, and we can place our trust and our security um, in God in the midst of these uh, condemnations that we may face. And so, with that, let's turn again to Romans eight one through four, and look to the word that uh, God. Look to the work that God has done through Christ. And so, I'm gonna just read it off again real quick. but according to the Spirit. And so, um, this passage, when we view it right now, it, it, it starts with this phrase, that there is therefore. And so with that phrase, there, there, is, you know, there is this implication, there is this hint that it's a continuation of something that was previously said. And so, uh, with that, um, in, in all of really Romans up to this point, um, and continually, there is a strong emphasis on the law, sin, with um, our relationship with God, and, and how all these things kind of affect and apply to us. And so I just wanted to read the last two verses of Romans 7, uh, which is verses 24 and 25, to give some context for why that therefore is still kind of there. Um, and so, starting now, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And so, what we see here is is Paul kind of recognizes that though he knows and he's pretty confident of his relationship with God, he he, he still recognizes that his flesh still serves the law of sin. And I just want to add as a reminder that when Paul says flesh, he's not really just talking about our human bodies and our desires, uh, but really what he's referring to is the more, the, just the physical nature um, as, as us being fallen, sinful human beings. And so again, where does, what does this therefore refer to? It refers to this that there are two simultaneous things that are going on. And though these things are both happening at the same time, Paul recognizes and he says that Christ's work on the cross outweighs the power and the consequences of sin. Right? Because he is so confident that he's like, hey, I'm facing these two things. I'm just going to straighten it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And in a sense, he's recognizing the reality of sin while still saying the the uh, proclaiming the result of what God has done on the cross. And so I'm going to be saying this word a lot in the sermon, condemnation. And so what does this word mean? Uh, in the way that uh, it's, that at least in the way that I kind of refers to it, it's this, that it can be understood as a punishment or a verdict that one might receive in court. And it also might refer to just an overall general negative evaluation uh, that we receive by peers or by one's own conscience. And so throughout Scripture, again, and in Romans, we're constantly reminded and we see people in sin. Right. And so, we see in all of of Scripture, and in the Old Testament a lot. You see the Israelites are rebelling. You see, you know, uh, a specific example is David ordering the death of Uriah so that he can marry Bathsheba. And we just see again just countless examples of people disobeying God. We see countless examples of people uh, stealing from one another, doing wrong to one another, injustice is being done. There's all these things, and so it's it's no surprise that sin has existed, and it is existing now and it will exist in the future. But that is the setup and that is why that there is this great news that there is therefore now no condemnation. Right? Because what it doesn't say is that after Jesus' death on the cross that there will be in the future no condemnation, right? And we have to wait for it. It doesn't say that a possibility for condemnation has opened, but we have to do tasks xyz abc 123 to like get to that point, right? It's not like Jesus just creates the possibility that we are with God. But he's saying that there is now at this moment when Jesus died on the cross and eventually when he's resurrected, that now that there is already therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Because when he dies on that cross, he takes on that condemnation that should have been placed on us and that is why there is no condemnation. And when he is resurrected, it proves in a physical and spiritual sense that Jesus truly has conquered and won over sin and death. Right? Again, not just in the spiritual sense, but physically. It just shows that he, he resurrected. He, he beat death. Right? What more can you do? And so what this means is that we can have joy that despite the sin and the shame that comes with, or the shame and the guilt that comes with our sins, that there is always a hope and a truth that we can cling on to that is effective now and has been effective since, I mean, again, when Jesus died on the cross and when Paul utters these words. And because of this, what it allows us to do, because of what Jesus did that we couldn't have done, then that gives us the freedom uh, that we see in verse 4 to, to, to move in the direction in which the Spirit helps us to do the sanctifying work to be more like Christ. And so let's rest in that for a moment. Because right? I think there are a lot of times, especially uh, in uh, maybe some of our cultural settings, that we focus a lot on the sin and shame. Or, or, or we have a history of focusing on that so much that even though when the good news that we are forgiven is represented, it, it's hard for us to take in because we're still kind of stuck on that. And I want us to pause for a little bit because on some level, I'm not really going in that direction right now, but uh, I do want to bring up what What no condemnation means, and what then it doesn't mean, because I think there is also a risk that we kind of take no condemnation for what it is, and we just run with it. It's like, oh, we're free to do whatever, right? And so again, what this means is that with this work that God has done, that 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 He took on that punishment that should have been given to us, He took on that verdict, and so now when God looks at us, right, we we are justified before God. That God He He's. In a sense, he sees the righteousness of his Son in us because of the work that Christ has done. But what we also have to realize is that though there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus, it doesn't mean that there is therefore now no consequence to our actions. Because yes, we receive the mercy and the grace and the love, the acceptance, and all the good things, right? When, when, When Jesus through the work of Jesus, but there's still, again, that present reality of sin, either in our lives or that we see in this world, right? Again, a sin that is both personal and societal. And, again, it's great news to, for those of us who have committed wrongs, right? But we have to continue to work on these things. We have to continue to work on our sins, but we can do that as we are being led by the Spirit, right? Without a fear of, oh, no, we're going to lose this, But no, the work has been done, it's already here, and the Spirit will push us in that direction. But again, there are still consequences for what we've done. If you've hurt someone, in in whatever manner, directly, indirectly, right? there, There is no root in that shame or guilt that says it's because, then that Jesus will condemn you and that because of this action, it is forever branded on you as your identity. But there is still the reality that there is a person that you've hurt, right? Being, having no condemnation doesn't mean that it doesn't absolve us from having to repent that doesn't absolve us from trying to reconcile with people or in a sense reconcile with god it doesn't absolve us from taking tangible practical steps to to work on these very things that might have caused us to to hurt others before right. and also I think the, the difficulty with some of this is that Though we do not stand condemned before God, right? That doesn't, in a sense, protect us from uh, either the condemnation, or uh, it does not always mean that if we take the right steps, then the good things will happen. Because perhaps there is someone that you've hurt, and and you try to do all the right steps, It, it doesn't. And in a sense, it doesn't. It shouldn't always guarantee that that person will forgive you. And so, an example of this is. Um, this uh, pastor, speaker, and uh, I think he was actually a presidential candidate uh, as, from the independent party. There's this guy named Mark Charles, who is part Native American or First Peoples. And he gave this message called, Who Covers Systemic Corporate Sin? And he shares the story about how he's 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 at this conference. He's giving this talk of the, the oppression and the injustice that has been done uh, for his people um, for all throughout U.S. history. And not just his people, but Native American tribes all across uh, America. And at the end, there is this person who is obviously distraught that comes up to him. And he says, hey, I didn't know any of this. Um, I, I feel terrible. Can you forgive me? And Mark Charles's response is, is very interesting, because I don't know if he says this out loud, or if he kind of is thinking through this. But what Mark Charles ends up saying, or... What he at least says in the, ser- in the message is this. I can tell that you're distraught. And you probably just heard like four or five hundred years of injustices and oppression. And like you've just learned about all this. And so, of course, there is this weight upon your shoulders that you feel as though you cannot remove. And you, can- you don't know how you're going to sleep at night. And so you're going to come up to me to ask for forgiveness. And I, as a Christian man, in front of all these people, I'm going to be pressured to forgive you because that's what good Christians do. And then you get to go home and go to bed with peace in your heart because you confessed for yourself, right? And there doesn't have to be really any change because you receive forgiveness. Um, so instead, uh, what he says is this. I'm not going to give you forgiveness in this moment. But what I will give you is lament. What I will give you is grief and having to work through that. I think that there, and I share this example, right? Because though we do not stand condemned before God, uh, because of the, because we are in Christ Jesus, no condemnation doesn't mean that there is no lamenting or no mourning for the sins that we have committed in the ways that we have hurt other people. Again, whether personal or societal, no condemnation doesn't mean that we have no regret for sin anymore. Right? No condemnation doesn't mean that we will never doubt, struggle with our mental physical health. It does not mean uh, this, this super happy life. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean these things, but again, what it means is that with Christ, there is no condemnation in the judgment that should have been placed on us that Christ born instead. dead. Uh, and we have to recognize that like Paul, we are people who are still very much capable and desiring of sin. Um, and, and, and in that sense, we, um, we there is still this sense of brokenness in us, but uh, the, the joy, again, that we find is that our actions do not make up our identity uh, because we still see that God adopts us into the family of God as his beloved uh, adopted sons and daughters. And I will say that um, the, the Spirit will be guiding us through this process to be more like Christ. And we're will still we going to struggle. We're going to commit sins because there is still a, a work that, is, that has been done in us and is being done in us. But we have hope and joy in knowing a Savior who has overcome it. Not only that, but one who will lead us from that place to him. So again, the goal for our freedom that we receive in Christ is, that, is for us to be able to live in Christ and do the work um, that he is calling for us to do. In that sanctifying work, again, that might mean um, having to be more proactive in, in, in the areas of your life in which you see uh, there is much sin still there. Right? It still means that there is that repentance. It still means that there is still that work to be done, but the the freedom also comes with the Holy Spirit who'll be guiding us through that process. Right? And what it doesn't, again, what it doesn't mean is that we sit in uh, what we refer to as the past as cheap grace. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you no, know, that there is still all this stuff that we have to do to receive that no condemnation because it's already there for us. Uh, but we commit to that work of Christ, we commit to the work of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit in the midst of all this. And we have hope that God is still doing something in us, though we still. And so what are some ways that we can live this out? Um, I just have a couple applications that we can do. And uh, these applications represent more of the practical things that we can do um, for when, for before and when condemnation strikes uh, in our lives. And the way in which I want to share this, even though it's not the best analogy or example, is like having a plunger or a fire extinguisher before disaster strikes. Because you don't want to be stuck in a situation where things happen and you don't have it. Or else condemnation or a lot of other stuff will probably hit you real bad. You want to make, And you also want to make sure that though you have these things, that they are still functional. Because you can have a plunger, but perhaps it's old and decrepit and it's going to break when you really need to suction hard out of the toilet. Right? Or if you have an, ex, ex, uh, an expired fire extinguisher, it might not be as effective when there is actually a fire. And so, again, these are ways in which we prepare and we continually need to kind of just, just make sure are still there, still working, that we're still reminded of these things. And so there are three main ways in which, uh, at least it's proven helpful in my, my, in, in my life, and ways in which um, hopefully that we can continue to practice, that we can start or continue to practice. Uh, and so the first is this, that to have songs, scripture, or something just kind of in your back pocket. Uh, and so for me, I, I'm a fan of music. I love music, worship music. There, there's a special sort of part of that in my heart. And so there's a song that I come back to a lot. It's called Before the Throne of God Above. Um, and particularly in this song, the second verse is what speaks to me and is what I remember and I sing and I listen to so many times when I'm in a situation where everything seems to be going downhill. Where all I can do is, is be stuck and walk around this black hole of despair. Um, and it goes something like this. When Satan tempts me to despair Reminds me of the guilt within Upward I look and see him there Who made an end to all my sin. Because a sinless Savior died. My sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied. To look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. And again, this is a song that I've had to sing and be reminded of so many times because that self-condemnation in my life is, is, is rough. It's always there, and I have to be reminded of these words. And perhaps for other people, that song's a little hokey, and that's fine. <laughs> right? There's a new song that I've been listening to um, a couple times uh, very recently. It's called Love Theory by Kirk Franklin. If you want a very joyful, upbeat, very gospel-filled song, this is a great song for you. And I'm not going to sing it because I'm not that familiar with it. <laughs> um, but, man, there's just so much truth that, that that's in this song. And, and 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 I know for me, music is a big thing. But perhaps for you, it's it's just reading. And there's particular quotes that you remember from a book. Um, or it's just a memory, something that you saw before in the past, a piece of artwork that, is, that reminds you of the work that God has done, that there is therefore not no condemnation. Have those things in your back pocket and be prepared with them. Um, and also for scripture as well, right? have those those Bible verses in your back pocket for when these things hit. Right? It's no secret. I've shared this actually a couple times. I'm pretty sure in like every other sermon that I've given. <laughs> Philippians one six. There's also Ephesians two ten. Uh, something to the effect of, "For you are his masterpiece, or his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he has planned for you to do long ago." Right? Because I remember that. And I remember, oh, he has given me inherent value right, by calling me his masterpiece, by, by, by the fact that I'm his worksmanship. Right? And so there is no deep condemnation that, that has any roots or that has any tangible roots that can be there. Right? And I'm reminded of this. And I, mean, I, have to, I have to be encouraged by this in times when I'm feeling the condemnation and when I'm not in preparation for when it does hit. So that's the first one, again. Uh, whether scripture, songs have something that you can kind of hold on to personally. Uh, that can remind you of the work that God has done. Uh, The second is to have people. Because sometimes you can be prepared all you want, but you can't handle things by yourself all the time. Uh, And for that, we we need people in our lives that that can be there uh, reliably to speak truth to us, to encourage us, to rebuke us for when there are these sort of patterns of sin that are going on in our lives. And perhaps... It's not even for, in the ways that they will verbally encourage us or rebuke us or, or speak truth to us, but it's just their very presence alone that helps me and might help you to see it. At, at that moment they are like Christ just solely by their presence to show that I am not alone, to show that perhaps there is something that is still there that, 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 that is, that where people will not leave me or, you know, just, just their very presence sometimes just, just reminds me of the work that God has done. Um, and then lastly, uh, I'm not, I wasn't really sure how to this, have systems or structures. Um, because there are personal encouragements that we can have, that we can prepare for that might not always work. Uh, and even with people, there's super close friends that we have and there are still struggles. But one thing we have to realize is that um, there are times where our thought processes inherently might, uh, might be unhealthy for us to go through. And in times like this, there are very tangible, feasible things like therapy. Uh, there are therapists, there are psychiatrists, there are counselors uh, that we can go to um, to be able to talk about these things. And it is not any mark of condemnation because I think for a lot of us, not only do, is there that stigma there, but there's also this Christian stigma of, oh, if we really believed in God, we would be joyful. Right? If we really trusted in God, we wouldn't struggle with this. And sure, there's some sentiment of truth to that. But at the same time, right, there, there are, God created doctors for physical pain. We can't just believe God to be like, hey, my leg is gone and like, it'll grow back again. Not that, I guess doctors can really do that too. <laughs> um, but, but God creates tangible things because he is practical. And so, right, it would make sense that there are people that, uh, that are there, right, who will be able to help us through these, these times, uh, where we struggle with our mental health. And there is no condemnation for us to be able to seek them out. Uh, and it does not speak to our lack of faith by, by seeking them. Right? But it is a way in which we realize, oh, there are things going on, and perhaps there are unhealthy thought processes that I can work on, and my friends might not be trained in this, and so there are people who are, and they might be able to help us. There is no condemnation in that, uh, from God or by others. Or from, from God, at the very least. Uh, from others, unfortunately, that condemnation might still be there. Uh, but at the very least, that is not your fault to bear. Uh, and so some other things that, uh, that you can do, um, perhaps not in preparation, but just as you are kind of soaking in some of these truths, are to, um, I know Pastor Steve talks a lot about the practice of contemplative prayer and just practicing being in God's presence. And perhaps that is a way in which you are just reminded, or there is this peace, or there is this sort of uh, way in which you can say, you know, Lord, I, I want to focus on you, I want to focus on being in your presence um, and also I think a uh, practice that we can do is uh, recognize when you have to do have feelings of condemnation and kind of nip it in the bud when you recognize it. Have those truths ready to kind of to target it when it's already there because you don't want to let it kind of grow and fester because then it, it just becomes hard to kind of work through those things, even though it is still possible in Christ. Uh, and so I want to end with this. Um, it's just a testimony of how I've seen this passage, of how I've seen the work of God being done in my life. Uh, around two years ago, um, I was able to direct MCKC Youth Camp for the first time. Um, this is, yeah, 2019. And um, by and large, the camp went well. The camp went well, right? <laughs> Everyone survived. Um, the gospel was shared. I'm pretty sure the kids had fun, Right? Uh, and it was, uh, overall, this Christ-like environment. And yet, there were so many times where, personally, I f- there was just all these mistakes that were being brought to light that I had made. Things that I haven't really had to deal with before that kind of were, were more now exposed in a public setting. There were things that I failed to do. Right? And, and there was no one that spoke condemnation against me. It wasn't other people saying, hey, like, you're terrible. Right? But if anything, everyone was like, hey, David, like, no, you're doing well, okay. No, you got this. Hey, you know, trying to be encouraging. And I could not shake this sort of self-condemnation that I had. And with sort of this title, there was this thought in my mind like, you're a director and you still struggle with lust? Man, you've been working on that for a while. Like, shouldn't you have gotten anything done with this? Hey, you're a director and you still struggle with pride? Like, come on now. Like, there's supposed to be work that's being done. Why is there seemingly none in your life right now? And there were all these thoughts that were going through my mind. And after... That camp in particular, um, it was uh, right before I was about to start seminary and kind of take those first steps into the traditional path of being a pastor. Uh, and it was almost like grand opening, grand closing for that conviction. Because <laughs> so I was like, there is no way that in which God is going to be able to use me in this. Because I'm not worthy to either go on that path or, man, my, my faith in general. like What else is there for me to realize that I've been so lacking of? And these were the thoughts that were kind of swirling in my mind. And I would hide it, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I think uh, with seminary, I just want to be open and available for all that God wants me to do. Which, which was true, right? But it, it covered up a lot of the insecurities and in these, in these fears that I had. Right? That I was not, that, that, and, and it, it just kind of hid the sort of condemnation I was going through myself. But luckily, again, I, I was able to have songs and those sort of scriptures in mind. I had so many people who were so supportive who stuck with me. Um, And for a period of time, there was uh, I was able to do a couple times go to a therapist for a few appointments. Uh, In my class for seminary, there was one that was particularly effective called Pastor as Person, which reminded me pretty much to the whole class. Pastors are people; they struggle with the same thing that with like similar things that all of us do. They are not some higher being, and I was it, it kind of kind of brought me to the sense of like, oh yeah, I think I placed an unhealthy amount of like expectation and whatnot on people who have titles or those in authority. Um, you know, look, I gave them things when perhaps they actually shouldn't have uh, or like authority or perhaps uh, I didn't account for the fact that they go through X, Y, Z. And there were ways in which I had to kind of structure how I thought and all these things that were being done. right? And yet I still kind of struggle through a lot of those things right now. Right? Um, God did heal me particularly through the course of a year. Where, where there are different ways in which he, he, he reminded me of the work that he did, that there was no condemnation. But there is still a work that is being done because, I mean, I'm still quite insecure of a lot of things. I'm still not very confident of a lot of things. Uh, uh, close to a year after the camp, um, there was a, a, a small sort of mistake that I made, um, or at least that I didn't account for, relating to MCKC. Um, and... Who was uh, on Super Bowl night? Um, yeah, Super Bowl 2020 before kind of everything shut down. Um, I was kind of beating myself up for all this, and there was one person I talked to in particular. And uh, this person, there wasn't like these super strong, in depth in-depth like encouragements or whatever. But she was just kind of like, "Hey, I, did, I think you're, I think you're doing a good job." And like I physically like could not handle it, and I built a wall between me and her of like soda bottles. And I started crying down because I cannot even accept this compliment because there was so much condemnation from all the stuff that happened before, right? And then, you know, luckily she was licensed. She was licensed in in either therapy or something to that regard, Um, and so she did help me help walk me through some of these things. But I say this because there is this hope that I have and I believe in, and yet there is still a work that is being done. And in the midst of all this, whether I become a pastor or not, whatever, just in the midst of, and and in the work that is going to be done uh, in my faith uh, and in my life overall, though there will be those struggles, though there will be those difficulties and those insecurities and all these things, my hope and all that I have rests on this truth. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, And so, uh, let's just take some time now to reflect on this truth. Uh, as we prepare to have communion um, in remembrance of what Christ has done. And so with that, uh, Pastor Steve, if you can come on up to administer uh, communion.
0: Thank you.